Thank you for firing up the Sunrise Church podcast. My name is Steve Garcia, and I am the lead pastor at Sunrise. We are a community of Jesus followers from all walks of life, all colors of skin, and all ages. And I hope this message you hear today inspires you to deepen your connection with Christ. Let's dive in. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Steve Garcia. I'm the lead pastor here, and I want to welcome you to Sunrise. Welcome all of you who are watching online. As you heard today, we are wrapping up this message series, Asking for a Friend. And what we're trying to do is provide a platform to discuss some of those controversial and divisive topics we have in our culture. We already know you're talking about them, and so we want to help give you some, some different thoughts, some biblical thoughts on how we might navigate those. And so we're going to revisit some of those questions today. Uh, but before I get into that, I want to tell you what's starting next week. Uh, across all of our campus locations, we are going to be uh, beginning a new message series called We the People. And it's all about doing life with others. You were not created to live in isolation. God created you to have relationships. And this was masterfully displayed by Jesus himself, who invested in 12, in 12 different people who, who changed the course of history. So we're going to look at the life of Jesus, how he did his relationships, and see what we could learn about ours. It's going to be powerful, and there's going to be lots of opportunities for you to find meaningful connections with others. That all starts next week. And I want you to mark on your calendar a very special day, Sunday, October 1st. And what makes this day special is that we are going to be sharing with the church some big news about the future of Sunrise Church. I believe God is calling us to expand our in, in impact here in the Inland Empire and around the globe. And so if you pick one Sunday out of the whole year to come to church, let your one be October 1. You're not going to want to miss it. As for today... We want to be able to circle back to some of the questions that we just didn't get a chance to answer in the previous three weeks. And so to kick off our time together, I want to read some scripture to you. This is written by the Apostle Paul, and it's found in Colossians 4, and here's what he says. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. You know, one of the things about life is that you're going to have hard conversations. And some of the hardest conversations you're going to have are with people who do not yet know Christ. That's who Paul was referring to as outsiders. And so in just these couple of passages, he gives us really great pointers on how to have hard conversations. You know, because one of my hopes for this message series is that our pastors and our guests on stage have been able to model for the church of what it looks like to, to discuss these difficult topics. And so I've summarized them a little bit and want to give you a couple of things that I think are, are worthy to implement into your life on, on how to have hard conversations. Here's the first one. Number one, be ready. Remember what Paul said at the beginning in verse 6? He said, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, making the most of what? Every opportunity. Paul's calling followers of Jesus, hey, be ready. These conversations are coming. Unfortunately for so many of us, we aren't ready. I think we get stuck in autopilot, you know, the, the routine of life. You, you, you get up, you, you drive to work, you turn on the radio, you weave in and out of traffic, giving little to no intentional thought of who God might bring across your path that day. And we, we roll out of bed, we thumb through our phones and respond to messages and, and read the news feeds or, or whatever. 
and we, we very rarely think about, is today gonna be a day that I'm not gonna have a, a conversation that's gonna test me and be an, an opportunity to represent Jesus. And then what happens is somebody hits you with a question out of nowhere, or, or they make a comment, or you get pulled into a discussion where your faith is front and center, and like a deer in the headlights, you just kind of freeze. And then we miss the opportunity that Paul told us to make the most of. And so knowing this, this is how Paul started this passage of scripture. He said in verse two, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Are you in prayer? Are you asking God, hey, who is that you want me to talk to today? Are you praying about that? I hope that you've seen on display on this stage that when we discuss these sensitive subjects, that we don't approach them lightly, but they, they are talked about with great prayer and preparation. I think that's something we can all implement into our lives. So the first thing, be ready having hard conversations. Here's the second one, be kind. Look what Paul said. He said in, in verse six, let your conversation be always full of grace. Grace by definition is undeserved reward. Here's the amazing thing about Jesus. He doesn't love you for what you do. He loves you because of who he is. And when you receive this gift of grace by faith in Jesus, it ought to open your eyes to realize that if Jesus treats me better than I deserve, I ought to treat others better than they deserve. One of my concerns for a lot of followers of Jesus is how much time we spend watching news and YouTube and other media with these, with these big personalities. Friends, newscasters and internet influencers, they don't build their viewers by being kind. A huge part of their brand is built upon being disrespectful and cynical and, and fear-mongering. And, and I, I fear that we start talking like them. Are your conversations full of grace or are they full of hate? I think that God is calling his people to make sure that you engage in these topics with some basic kindness. There's an old saying, it's not always about what you say, but how you say it. Let your conversations always be full of grace. So number one, having a hard conversation. Be ready. Two, be kind. Here's the third one. Be bold. We just read the first part of verse six. Let's read the second part of it. He said, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Now, salt has a lot of purposes, but one of the primary purpose is it gives flavor to food. I bet all of you have had some bland food before. If you've never had bland food, just invite me over to your house to cook you a meal, and I will give you firsthand experience of what bland food tastes like. Okay, some of you have been eating food, and you're like, what is this? Is it cardboard? Is it tofu? Uh, whatever it is that's in my mouth has zero flavor. And that's how a lot of our conversations are. They, they got no flavor to them. They're bland. We just cave and, and, and we say the things that everybody else says, you know, like these, these bland cliches like follow your heart and everything happens for a reason and, and other things like that, that that mean nothing. Be bold. Speak Jesus into the situation. Season it with salt so that when somebody takes a bite, they think, ooh, that tastes good. I want some more because very often a God-centered perspective is not being entered into the conversation. Maybe you're the one who's going to bring it in. 
And so as we continue on in discussing this morning and, and circling back to some of the issues we've hit in previous weeks, transgenderism, abortion, marijuana, and other drugs, this is what I want to challenge you with this morning. When you see the questions that have been submitted by people in the church, perhaps people in this room, when you see those questions pop up on the screen, what I want you to do is I want you to picture that these questions are being asked of you by someone you know who does not yet have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe it's a son or a daughter. Maybe it's a mom or a dad, a friend, a neighbor, a coworker, a family member. Maybe you're the one who doesn't know Jesus. But I want you to, to picture that question being asked of you when it comes up on the screen. And this is what I'd like you to do. I'd like for everyone to grab either a pen or a device that you can, you can type on. And I want you to give your response to the question when it comes up. So what, what Pastor Anthony and I are going to do, we're going to give you a moment to answer the questions first before we chime in, because I think this is good practice in having hard conversations. So at this time, I want to invite up my friend, Pastor Anthony, to join me. And uh, man, I feel a bit underdressed for the occasion, brother. But uh, so, uh, hey, welcome. So to start our time off today, what has God been teaching you throughout this message series? Uh, that's a great question for me. Um, how to shepherd better. Um, there's a lot of um, concerns and deep issues. So as we read through the questions throughout the week, there's always questions behind the questions. So it's how do I, as a communicator of God's word, how do I share in such a way that definitely puts Christ on display, but at the same time not removing our call to preach the truth. Mm -hmm. um, and that's challenging yep. um, because you're dealing with a lot of people's emotions and their feelings. So for me, God has been challenging me on how do I listen to those feelings and those concerns because they are real, mm -hmm. but how do I, after we go through the different phases, really um, giving God's word and his truth, as you said, being bold. Mm -hmm. and courageous. Yeah. What about yeah. you? Yeah, I think for me, God has stirred a lot of compassion in my heart for, especially on these topics. You know, I think about the, the, the transgender topic. So the Bible is really clear that, you know, sex is to be enjoyed by one man and one woman in the marriage relationship. And it could be easy to just look at anything outside of that and just, you know, get a, come down hard on people. And I, I think I'm just realizing too of God's word is so clear, but it's, it's we, the, we the people who are complicated and, and it's hard to work through those things. You know, I was just reading this past week that transgendered individuals who go through gender reassignment surgery are 19 times higher to commit suicide than that of the general public. That ought to break everybody's heart. Uh, it, 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 it pains me to think of, of the different things that we run to apart from Christ. And you know, I think on the, on the week we hit abortion, it was very emotional because I think it hit every level of parenting with every woman, you know, from people who've had an abortion in the past to women who've lost children, to miscarriages, uh, to women who have uh, been unable to, to, to give birth to children. And I think all of those things stirred up and it just reminded me that when we talk about these things, it's not these impersonal issues, they are connected to real people and that ought to stir compassion in all of us, so. All right, so let's get to the questions for today. So okay. get your pens and your devices ready. And uh, we're going to start off here with this one. This was uh, submitted by somebody from the church. said, if I am not okay with transgenderism, but I support someone who is, 
will that hinder my faith? Okay, so the question's being asked of you. If I'm not okay with transgenderism, but I support someone who is, will that hinder my faith? We'll give you a moment to answer your question and then pastor, why don't you weigh in? Very interesting question. Um, I think we should break it down into two parts. If I'm looking at this, if I am not okay with transgenderism, but I support someone who is, would that hinder? I guess you have to define support. Yeah. Um, what do you mean by support that person or that individual? Um, let's remove transgenderism and put it with another, um, another word alcohol, uh, adultery, mm -hmm. lying, fornication. How do I support someone that's dealing with those sins as well? Um, I use alcohol as an example. If I know someone is addicted to alcohol, I support them by not giving them money to help them and continue in that type of, type of deal. Um, instead of saying support, maybe maintain. So how do I maintain my relationship with someone? And that's by like what Pastor Steve said, really showing love and kindness in such a way, putting up safe, safeguards for you, boundaries for you, but at the mm -hmm. same time, helping that individual in need. Um, would that hinder your faith? I mean, how are you exercising your faith now? If you're sitting there and you are going along with knowing that it's wrong for them and it's against the word of God, I think it's going to hinder your faith the whole deal mm -hmm. because you can't contradict what God's word says. So Paul says we're in the world, but not, we're not of the world. Mm -hmm. um, actually, that's John. Um, so it's one of those things. How do I live in the world by not being consumed by it? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree that that support word is a key word. Um, so real story, there's a family in this church who's, um, whose child is taking cross-sex hormones and, you know, taking on a different name, a different gender, and continues to live with them at the house. And, uh, and so what they've chosen to do is they say, okay, you can live here, but you have to understand we're not going to give you rides to the doctor for any of the visits about your, you know, getting, getting more of your hormone treatments. We're not gonna help you pay for it, but we love you and you're still our child. And I think it keeps coming back to the definition of love. We, so many of us think that love is agreement. <laughs> that it, for me to truly love another person means I have to agree with everything they do. That's not love. Love is doing what's best for somebody else. And so um, you're not helping somebody by enabling them in, in their sinful behavior. As far as hindering your faith, uh, yeah, I think I could. I really do. Because, uh, you know, my life verse is Proverbs 13, 20. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Who are the people you're walking with? As the old saying goes, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Uh, and so if the kinds of people that you're with all the time are, are people who are living uh, in, in such a way that is apart from God's standards, don't, don't fool yourself into thinking it's not going to affect you. But, all right. Very good. Let's, let's, uh, let's keep going. Brother, what do we got here? Another question on transgenderism. How can you discuss trans without experiencing it? 
what makes you think trans don't love Jesus? Interesting. All right, questions being asked of you, church. So the question again is, how can you discuss trans without experiencing it? What makes you think trans don't love Jesus? All right, I'll give you a moment to think about your answer, and then I'll dive in on this one. I think this is a really important question because it touches on an issue that I think so many of us get tripped up on, which is if I don't experience, if I don't, if I don't have experience in something, I, I can't talk about it at all. Right. Now listen, uh, I have zero experience with murder, but I know it's wrong. Um, I have, uh, I, don't, I don't need to experience touching a hot stove to know that it's probably not a good idea. I remember meeting a guy who lost a couple of fingers in a chainsaw accident. Uh, I've never experienced that, but, but does that remove the right for me to say, you know, you ought to be much safer when you're dealing with heavy machinery like this. So experience is not the standard of truth. Truth doesn't come from experience. Truth doesn't come from feelings. Truth doesn't come from the government. Truth comes from the person of God as revealed to us in the Bible. And, uh, you know, uh, the second part of the question is, what makes you think trans people don't love Jesus? Uh, I don't know if I ever said that. I don't, uh, that might have been an assumption. I think that part of the explosiveness in our culture right now is to suggest any other message outside of a full endorsement of transgenderism is labeled as hateful and you know, transphobic. I actually just had a conversation exactly like this an hour ago. Um, but Here's the thing. Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So all of us have to look in the mirror and say, do I love Jesus? Well, here, here's how to know. Let's take a look at how we're living. Mm. And that's good. I want to hit on the, the second part. Like you said, what makes you think trans don't love Jesus? I think that's a statement more than a question. Mm. <laughs> um, When you talk about loving Jesus, he talks about being separated from the world. He talks about being the light of men. He talks about being the salt of the earth. So if Jesus is calling us to that lifestyle, my question to the person who wrote the question is, how much do you love Jesus? Um, because Paul says you need to work out your own salvation through fear and trembling. So the closer you get to Jesus, the more you recognize that you have some defects, like I did. I used to cuss like a sailor, uh, but God removed that and gave me new speech. I used to listen to all types of music that was damaging to my mind, but God removed that from me. I used to drink alcohol, but in the position I'm in, I believe, it, to my confession, it's no to that. So the closer you work out your salvation, the more you come in close with Jesus and you see that he loves you, you stop doing certain things and it stops being about you and more about Jesus. Amen. Well said. All right, let's, uh, let's keep it going here. This, was, um, this one says, what does the Bible say about someone having an abortion and committing to God after? Is that person forgiven by Jesus? So obviously this one came up in the week we were talking about abortion. 
So uh, church, let's give you a moment to think about and craft your response. Pretend this question is being asked of you. What does the Bible say about someone having an abortion and committing to God after? Is that person forgiven by Jesus? Let's take a moment and then uh, Anthony, why don't you weigh in? Okay. Um, what does the Bible say about someone having an abortion and committing to God afterwards? Well, Scripture says that in Christ, you're a new creation. So 2 Corinthians 5, 17 mm-hmm. says, once you say yes to Jesus, um, the old is over, the new has come. So you're now in this state of grace and forgiveness. Paul says in Romans 8, 1, that therefore there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So once you say yes to Jesus by faith and you change your life over to him, it's at that time where you're covered, right? But now the question becomes, what are you doing after? So when you talk about and committing to God, what does your commitment look like, right? So we call that sanctification. It's a big word, but it's not It's this, I'm continuously looking at myself in the mirror saying, okay, God, how do you see me? Uh, You must believe that God has forgiven you of that. But you also must deal with some of those scars, maybe, emotionally, mentally. Um, You may feel regret, remorse, shameful. Um, You put the word on it. But then be honest with God and ask him to help you through those uh, different peaks mm-hmm. and in that but you're definitely forgiven yeah I would add to that First John 1 John 1.9 if you confess your sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness not some yeah to suggest that there's a sin that he can't forgive is to suggest that Jesus' death on the cross was not enough. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I've heard this question asked in kind of a different way too there's somebody else who submitted one that said will I go to hell if I support abortion. And friends, what keeps you out of heaven is not your position on abortion. It's having unpaid sin in your life. It's having the debt of sin not taken care of. The, the reality is that you could be a pro-life advocate your, your entire existence. That's not getting you into heaven either. Mm. It's only when your sins are paid for, when you receive the forgiveness of Jesus Christ and... Uh, and so I think it's important for us to realize that's the issue. All of these other things are, are secondary to that primary issue. That's good. Yeah. Let's, let's keep going. Okay, looks like we got a long one here, Pastor Anthony. <laughs> okay. If we are talking about pro-life, how can Christians support the NRA and... National Rifle Association. Uh-huh. And not be... What is that? and be not be concerned about gun violence, suicide, or mass murder with guns. Ah, I'm getting it now. If you're talking about pro-life, how can Christians support the NRA and be not concerned about gun violence, suicide, or mass murder with guns? Looks like there's more to this. What's the second part of this? Is there a second part of this, guys? Can you advance it? Okay. Yeah, go back one. It says, what, the next one, Craig? That's it. No, it says, what point is it to save a child in the womb uh, only to be murdered by the gun lobby? Okay, let's keep going. 
when we take on the gun industry with their emphasis on death and violence against children. Violence against living people with guns is more deadly than children in the womb. Okay. <laughs> so the question, it sounds like the question is being framed of, you know, you're talking about pro-life, which is the position that we held on, on, with, this, with this church on abortion, but we're not caring about people who are killed with guns. Uh, so, so that's the question. So take a moment to think how, how you would respond to that, and then I'll jump on this one. Um. You know, I think, I think right out of the gates, the, the thing that jumps out to me is sometimes when you're in a hard conversation, people will frame it up in such a way where you have to pick one or the other. And so no, nobody here is saying that if you care about pro-life, then that automatically equals you don't care about gun violence. Uh, the, here's what's actually interesting about the gun debate. Whether you are for having guns or you are for banning guns, both sides of that argument are actually making a pro-life statement. They just disagree on how to get there. Mm -hmm. And I think both positions can, can probably be justified biblically on some level. So someone who would say, you know, you need to ban guns because that saves lives. Whereas somebody else would say, no, you need to own guns so that you can help save lives. Both people are actually arguing for life. Uh, I, I think what's What's different about the abortion conversation is abortion results in death 100% of the time. <laughs> uh, there's a statement made, if we can go back to that, Craig, it said, um, the, the last part of this, it talked about the difference between, uh, so this one, violence against living people with guns is more deadly than children in the womb. I actually saw a statistic, a statistic this past week that in the year 2020, if something like just under 20,000 people were killed by gun violence. Uh, and that includes homicides, suicide, accidental, mass shootings, the whole thing. I mean, that's, that's terrible. All, all of us, your heart ought to break at 20,000 souls cut down by senseless violence. That, that should hurt you, right? Comparatively speaking, in that same year, the number of abortions that took place was not 20,000, but 620,000. That's almost 30 times more. Does it mean that one is more important than the other? No, you ought to care about both. Uh, all, all of it is, is a loss of life, and we should all care about life. I think you answered that one. <laughs> right. No, no, well, what's interesting, what, what Steve is saying is some of us like to bring up other topics to justify our position on something because we don't want people meddling in our business. Um, well, I smoke marijuana. What's the between drinking? What's the between cigarettes and this and that and this, eating? Va vaping. Vaping and all of those things. Yeah. So we try to ask the question in such a way that I don't want to let this go, so I'm going to highlight that. And we see a lot of that on TV and the news. And all yeah, that you take stuff. the small outlier to justify mm -hmm. the, the larger behavior, uh, which, is, which is a bridge to the, to, the, to the final question that we can take, which was on the subject of marijuana, uh, and this one says, will God look down on you if you smoke weed or despise you for it? So somebody asked you that question. Will God look down on you if you smoke weed or despise you for it? How would you answer that question? 
Let's uh, take a moment to give you a chance to think through your response, and then, Pastor, why don't you get us kicked off? <laughs> These are some interesting questions. I hope you feel the tension up here. Um, will God look down on you if you smoke weed or despise you for it? Our God is a gracious and loving God, so that word looking down, I'm going to put that on the side for a second. But I want to talk about why are you smoking marijuana? Why do you feel you need to smoke marijuana? What are you trying to numb with the marijuana? Because a lot of the questions we received was more for recreational use than actually medical use. Yeah, number, the number one question asked in this series, by a mile, mm -hmm. it wasn't even a distant second, was about medicinal marijuana and if it's okay. And that's interesting. So now my question becomes, did you go to a certified physician, a medical doctor, to get issued that marijuana? Yes, it's Dr. Snoop Dogg. <laughs> so you want to... Talk to your choke. Is that what it is? At the end of the day, those can say, well, what's the difference between any other type of medication that the doctor issues you? So the question is, okay, the, the job, I believe, of a doctor is to wing you from whatever that is. Um, if he or she prescribes you that for your, your, your sickness and all that, you're supposed to get winged from those things. But um, I don't think that's what we're dealing with here. Um, I, I think y'all just want to get it in. Yeah. You wanna, we want to smoke the pot without feeling the guilt. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, that's for any type of substance. Let's be honest. Mm -hmm. The order of God says we need to be sober-minded yeah. in our thinking. Um, we must understand if you say yes to Jesus, you were bought with a price. And what you put in and what you take into your body, it matters mm -hmm. to God. Mm -hmm. You know, let's talk about overeating, for example. If you overeat, that's not good either because you got diabetes, high blood pressure, and all of those things. Okay, coffee. Now I'm really messing with you guys. Okay, you get coffee. But again, that can also have side effects when it comes to your health and all of those things. So you really have to really get in front of God and say, okay, what are you asking me to give up? Because we are, we are called, we're set apart. And, 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 and like I said before, Paul says you have to work out your salvation, your faith with fear and trembling. How do you view God? But he doesn't despise anyone because what was the cross for? Yeah. You know, so many of these questions that we've, we've seen submitted, it seems like the question behind the question is, where's the line? Mm -hmm. You know, cigarettes okay, but weed not. You know, is wine okay, but whiskey not? Sugar okay, but salt not? You know, just show me where the line is. Just tell me where the line is. And I think maybe the question that we, sh we should change our language instead of asking, is it wrong? Maybe the question we should be asking is, is it wise? You know, is this something that is adding value to my life? Is this helping me to grow more like Christ? Is this helping me to, to lead my family, to represent Christ in a way that's powerful? You know, <clears throat> Scripture's clear, avoid intoxication, avoid addiction. But the question here, it says, well, will God despise you for it? And I think this leads us, we've, we've hit some controversial topics in this series, but I want to 
I want to hit the most controversial topic there is. Grace. Jesus' love for you is not based on what you do. You can't earn it by the good things you do, and you can't lose it by the bad things you do. Uh, That's so important for us to remember. Jesus cannot love you any more than he loves you right now. And probably the most controversial piece of grace is that Jesus cannot love you any less than he already loves you right now. And so when you stop and really think about grace, that Jesus gives me what I don't deserve, uh, and so when you bring this kind of thing up, I've heard this, this pushback, especially from people who are in religious systems that are work-based. You know, I gotta do all of these things to get, get on good, God's good side. The question they bring up is, okay, so all I gotta do is love Jesus and then I can live however I want? Uh, you know, Paul said, do I keep on sinning so grace will increase? Well, let me illustrate to you like this, okay? You, you find the love of your life and you get married. And you're at your wedding reception. You're sitting there at your little table. You know, everyone's dinging the champagne glasses with their forks, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so so you lean over to your spouse and you say, do you love me? Your spouse looks back at you and says, I love you. (laughs) And so then you whisper, do you love me forever? Your spouse says, always and forever. And you whisper to your spouse and you say, will you ever divorce me? I say, what? No, I'll never divorce you. You say, great, because I'm planning on cheating on you tonight. <laughs> right? Because I, I know that you already love me. And I know that you're always going to love me and you're never going to divorce me. So therefore, I can go out and cheat on you because I know you're always going to be there for me. See, none of us would ever treat a relationship that way. We would understand that if this person is willing to love even me, I want to show my love to this person. I want to, I want to express it to them. I want to build them up. Mm. And it's the same thing with Jesus. When you truly understand that he loves you so much, he died for you. So you say, okay, great. Now I'm just going to do whatever I want. Thanks, I got it from here. That's a complete misunderstanding of grace. In this question, you don't lose Jesus' love by, by smoking weed. But the question you have to ask yourself is, is because he loves me, how is that impacting the way that I live? Shouldn't I be living in such a way to express my love back to him? Friends, Jesus gave his life for you and I, not because we're great people, because we're smart, we accomplish these things, and we're also good. Scripture says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to get cleaned up first. He came to us when we were at our messiest. And so all of us are at this decision point. Jesus is extending this gift of grace to all of us. And it's free. You know why it's free? Because it was paid for by Jesus's blood. And he's giving it to us free. And our job is to reach out and receive it by faith. Or say, you know what? I'm just gonna do me. I got it, God. And so if you've never received this free gift of grace offered only through Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to do that even in this exact moment now. In fact, I want to ask everybody to bow your heads, close your eyes. And if you've never, <clears throat> if you've never prayed to receive Jesus into your life, then I want you to take a breath, think about your life, 
And in the silence of your heart, I want to challenge you to repeat this prayer that I'm going to give you. These, these are just words, but if you believe it in faith, this could be the, the biggest decision you've ever made in your life. If you want to give your life to Jesus right now, you just say right back to him, Jesus, I need you. Tell him, Jesus, I need you. I can't save myself. But I believe you died in my place so that you could save me. Today, I put my faith in you. Today, I receive your grace. I know I don't deserve it, but I receive it by faith. Will you change my heart, Jesus, and help me live in such a way that honors you? In Jesus' name I ask, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, Christ now lives in you and he's gonna give you what you need for this life and the life to come. And, and, and if you prayed that, I wanna encourage you to tell somebody on the program that you received when you came in is a little box that says, I said yes. Just fill that out and check that box in a moment. Our usher's gonna come down the aisles and take today's offering. You could just drop your card right there in the bag. Somebody from our staff will reach out to you and just help you understand what it, what it looks like to live this new life with Jesus. Maybe you've, you have received Christ, but it's just not showing. You gotta get moving, you're just idle, you're stuck. We wanna help you take the next step. Here's, here's a great way to do it. Grab your phone right now and text the word next to 909-281-7797. We've got staff people on the other end of that message ready to exchange a few with you. I promise we won't spam you. We just wanna help customize your next step. Maybe you wanna join a small group. You heard earlier that Rooted, a 10-week small group experience is starting up soon. You could do anything for 10 weeks, can't you? Give it a go. Maybe God wants to do something in your life. Maybe you wanna serve. You just need somebody to talk to. You need some help. Text next to 909-281-7797. Or for those live in the room, there's a table outside that says next. You can have a conversation with somebody today to help you get going. Friends, I hope this message series has been a blessing to you. And I wanna encourage you that you're gonna find yourself in hard conversations. And so let's be ready, let's be looking for them. God's gonna give you what you need. And then we hope that you'll come back next week as we begin this message series about relationships and be thinking about who you can invite with you to come and hear a powerful, life-changing word from the Bible. And so I wanna pray for us as our ushers come forward to receive today's offering. Will you join me in prayer? Lord, I wanna thank you for the fact that you have given us an opportunity to look to your word and how it addresses some of the most critical things that we're wrestling with. God, none of us is perfect. None of us is put together. We need you. We need your help. God, I pray for those in here who are having these conversations in their homes and at their jobs and across the fence. Lord, I pray that you, you give them the right words to say that, that strike a core, that doesn't beat somebody over the head, but, but gives them the truth of your word. Lord, I pray for somebody in here who's struggling with these things and wrestling through these questions and aren't sure where they're at. Lord, I pray that you speak to their heart, open their eyes, give them the very thing they're looking for. And as we give our, our gifts and offerings to you, Lord, may we do so with cheerful hearts, knowing that all of our finances are, are already yours, that you've just 
entrusted with us for a time. So Lord, as we give these things back to you, may they serve as another reminder of our trust in you, that we believe that you are the one and true God, and we put you at the center. Jesus, we thank you so much for your grace, and we pray all of this in your powerful name. And if you believe it in your heart, then let the church say, Amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. I want to encourage you to not just stop here. Maybe you sense God is speaking to you today and wanting you to take that next step. So here's two ways you can do just that. The first is text the word next to the number 909-281-7797. That's 909-281-7797. You'll receive a message back with some ways to help you grow. That may mean joining a small group or finding a place to serve or just talking with someone one-to-one about your faith. You can also visit the notes for this podcast and follow the links provided. And if you're within driving distance of one of our four physical locations in Banning, Ontario, Rialto, or Victorville, we'd love for you to stop by sometime and give us a chance to meet you personally. Again, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope to see you soon. God bless.